Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. So I was coming home from school, running home, like, I'm going to go get my $5. I'm going to go get some candy at the shop or something. And I get to my front door and I'm about to go inside. But I see like something that I'll never forget. And this woman, about 50 years old, was lying there holding her baby and her baby was dying. Like it was just like this whole, it was the most horrific scene you can imagine, just right in front of my door. And it was one of those moments that immediately like without hesitation, like my body and my head and everything just said, yeah, that money is worth nothing to you now. You know, like $5 for candy is worth absolutely nothing now. So I ran inside, got the money, gave it to her. At the time, I still knew like this is not going to be enough money to help this person survive, but it's still better with her than it is with me. Today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers. And learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody, it's Matt Bowles. Welcome to the Maverick Show. My guest today is Gavin Dantes. He is the co founder of Magnet Mount, an e commerce business that produces luxury car mounts for mobile phones which he launched in 2018 and grew from zero to $3 million in revenue in the first year alone. It received over 1 million website visits in the first eight months and has developed an Instagram following of over 180,000 fans and over 85,000 customers. Prior to co-founding Magnet Mount, Gavin spent seven years focusing on Evolutionary Psychology, NLP, Behavioral Response, Marketing, Copywriting, and Becoming an Expert in Digital Brand Marketing. Inc. Magazine recently dubbed him the Mad Scientist of Digital Marketing and Brand Building. He is now focused on his digital information product business and his new courses, one of which is called Limitless where he teaches you how to hack your own mind so you can live life on your terms. He has built all of his businesses with a location-independent infrastructure so he can run them from anywhere in the world. And he has traveled to over 40 countries. Gavin has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, Inc., and many other leading business publications. Gavin, welcome to the show. 
Brother, I love the energy. Let's go. Oh, man, so good to have you here. You and I have a number of friends in common that have introduced us. Ella Cook uh, made the direct intro, who Maverick Show listeners know from her episode. But we have a lot of people in common. So I've known about you for a while and you're doing some amazing stuff, man. So I'm super, super excited to have you here and to dive into this today. Let's just set the context as we open out of the gate here. We are not actually in the same place today. If we were, I would have offered to buy you a bottle of wine for this interview. But I am actually sitting in Dubai today, and you are where? I am in Changu, Bali. Oh, man. Yeah, we just missed each other because I was there about a month ago. I had a really uh, a blast with a lot of our common friends. But awesome to be doing this with you today, my man. Let's just start off a little bit with some background context on you and sort of your journey to entrepreneurship. I would love to hear a little bit about just your story and experience. Where did you grow up? And then any sort of entrepreneurial tendencies that you had at an early age or what was sort of your initial life and career trajectory that that ultimately sort of led you to entrepreneurship. Just give us a little background. Totally, man. And you know what? It's it's always interesting with these because I'm always like, am I going to tell the same story? How am I going to do this? It's always that 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 feeling. But when you frame it like that, it's interesting to look back and remember being in elementary school and just remember daydreaming and staring off into the distance and just visioning a better reality than sitting in the classroom, memorizing, memorizing and regurgitating things. And at the time, I had no clue that there was anything different. I just knew I didn't want to be there. And I knew I had these visions in my mind of something else I wanted to do, whether it was playing sports or just playing outside or whatever it was. And I just always had entrepreneurial tendencies at a younger age, but I never knew that's what they were because I didn't have entrepreneurial parents. I didn't have friends or people around me to see any of this through. So I was just growing up around that same environment, go to school, get a job, do that normal thing that we've all been programmed to believe is the way. And then I moved to uh, Africa when I was about 11 years old and I saw a whole new reality for a couple years of my life. You know, a lot of pain and suffering and hard times with within people. And I was like, wow, the world is way different than I thought it was in Western society. And then, you know, I came back to Canada and I had a different perspective, but I still had no perspective about entrepreneurship. I really didn't understand any of this stuff. And I just went through a lot of anxiety, depression, not knowing what the heck was going on in my life because I'm in this system that I just feel like I don't belong in. I feel like this is like just not meant for me. I didn't do good in class. I couldn't focus. I couldn't pay attention. I just wanted to do other things. And this led me to, you know, doing drugs, selling some drugs, always just trying to like waste my time. You know, I did play sports and I did like skateboard and stuff. So I did some physical activity. But overall, I was just always in this escapism mentality, just trying to escape reality versus having some sort of mission or going after anything or knowing that I could actually build something with my life. I just never really understood that I could take control of my reality and do whatever I want. It just never clicked in my mind. And I had a moment where I was about 23 years old after just, you know, really wasting a lot of my time and a lot of my life where I was getting drunk out at the lake and we were walking out down this train track and we saw this like cliff and we started walking up or climbing up this thing. And it was about 40 feet tall. We got to the top and we sat on the edge, had some more drinks. 
And then everyone's like, okay, let's go down. Let's walk around. And I'm like, I'm going to walk down this thing. So I start walking down or start climbing down and my foot slips. I'm upside down and I'm like, I'm dead. It's over for me. I just remember that moment. And then I don't know where I got caught. And I was like, what the hell? I'm upside down. My shoulders got caught on these two branches. I'm looking up. My friend's looking at me in horror. And then I look around the entire cliff and there's no other tree branches. There's nothing else that could have caught me except for this one spot on my two shoulders. And it was this like moment where first off, like I'm like something saved me today. But then I start asking these questions like, did I really do anything I'm passionate about? Am I actually doing anything of purpose of value? Like what would people have said at my funeral? Like would they have said, wow, he had so much potential, but he just like got lost and just didn't do anything with it. I start running these three things through my head and I'm like, I'm kind of in bonus time now. You know, all these fears or anything that I've had up until now, that's kind of disappeared now because now it's time to go, go after something. And things didn't just change overnight by any means. But I was walking down about a week later down this uh, back lane in Canada. And this guy I'd met a couple of years before, his name was Paul Taylor. And he, uh, he was just flipping tires and hitting things with sledgehammers and having this crazy workout. And he's like, you want to train? And I was like, usually would be like, there's no way. And I was in jeans and all this stuff. But because of that situation that happened, I'm like, it's time to change the way I'm doing things. So I end up training with him for about 30 minutes. My jeans are soaked. My whole clothes are soaked. And it's so like off to what I'm used to. But this ended up becoming my first mentor. First person who kind of started to show me, if you have a goal and you want to go after it, like you can structure a plan and you can start to go after it. And day by day, you can start to achieve it. And that it started allowing me to take control of my own reality. Like if I can do this in this area, maybe there's another area. And then I got offered an opportunity in network marketing that lasted only about six months. But that's where the big transformation happens, happened where someone handed me a drive of audiobooks like Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy and all these old school guys, Jim Rohn. And I just started piling this into my brain every single day. And all the information that was coming into my mind was like articulating the feelings that I had. And I want someone to really understand the power of that because in marketing, it's one of the most powerful things you can do. If you can articulate that like feeling that somebody has in their heart, in their gut, in their soul, and you can articulate it to give them an epiphany moment that you understand them, it's like, opening up a door into a whole new universe. So that's what these people were doing to me. And then it just gave me this belief like, wow, all these guys were in my situation at some point, And now they're doing what they're doing. And I just could see this is so damn possible. So that's kind of the, the beginning of the journey. That's awesome. I want to ask you about your experience living in Africa as a kid. You mentioned that you moved there at about age 11. Can you talk about where exactly in Africa you moved and what that experience was like, both, I guess, the transition as a kid, but then also what your experience was like while you were there at that age? Yeah, so this is a great question. I was in Eritrea, Africa, which is right uh, next to the Red Sea and also right next to Ethiopia. And, you know, a really amazing country, incredibly friendly people. Unfortunately, like six years before I was there, they'd had a 30-year war with Ethiopia, so they were still recovering from that. And then even more unfortunate, after I left, my mom and brother sister stayed there. And within like four months, there was bombs dropped like a mile from their house and the war started again. They had to flee the country. But 
that's a whole other story. But it's just unfortunate when those things are happening in those countries. Now, when I was there, when I first arrived, it was like, super, super different. You know, this was not normal. But I had done some traveling till then, up until that point, I had been in a couple different countries. So it wasn't completely out of the norm. But it was still like, whoa, I'm living now in this like third world country. Things are totally different. You don't have the same types of luxuries. You have to really adapt the way of thinking and you know the way of being. But I had one situation there that was a completely game changing for me, which was, you know, every week I would get my allowance for cleaning my room or cleaning different things. It would be about five dollars. So I was coming home from school, running home, like I'm gonna go get my five dollars. I'm gonna go get some candy at the shop or something, and I get to my front door and I'm about to go inside, but I see like something that I'll never forget. And this woman, about 50 years old, was lying there holding her baby and her baby was dying. Like it was just like this whole, it was the most horrific scene you can imagine, just right in front of my door. And it was one of those moments that immediately, like without hesitation, like my body and my head and everything just said, yeah, that money is worth nothing to you now. You know, like $5 for candy is worth absolutely nothing now. So I ran inside, got the money, gave it to her. At the time, I still knew like this is not going to be enough money to help this person survive, but it's still better with her than it is with me, if that makes sense. It was just one of those feelings like I have way more than I can imagine. Like It was a, a, a feeling of gratitude for sure at that young age, but also a feeling of like massive pain for the suffering of, of people in the world. Now, unfortunately, that feeling did not like go forward with me as I came back to Canada as I like got more adapted to the Western society and you get more adapted into more of like the selfishness and me, 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 get, get, get. But it did stick with me underlying since then. And I know that that's why I'm doing a lot of the things that I, I'm doing now with Limitless in the courses for sure. So let's talk about the continuation of your trajectory. So you got exposed and you started consuming a lot of this content, as you mentioned, and that really started to impact you. And you had sort of this transformative sort of, you know, vision now in terms of the general direction that you wanted to head. And then from there, what was that path to entrepreneurship like for you? Mm, so another great question, because when I was in network marketing, I was like, I'm having such a hard time recruiting people. I'm having a hard time doing sales. I, I don't like messaging my friends and family, like all this stuff, right? All the, all the normal things that people get sucked into when you're first getting into something like that. And I started looking up things on YouTube, like how do I be better at prospecting? How do I be better at this stuff? So I found a video by Cesar Rodriguez called uh, Headhunting or something like that. And I watched this video. The next day I went to the mall, put on a suit, had an iPad in my hand, like ridiculous. And I'm walking in and out of these like cell phone stores and different stores being like, who's the best salesperson here? At the time, sometimes it's better to be ignorant than not. Because at the time, I had no idea this is basically illegal. I'm stealing salespeople. I'm just copying what someone told me to do, just modeling it, right? Ignorance sometimes is a good thing because you're just like, you don't know what's not possible. So I'm doing this. And then all these people would like raise their hand, like, I'm the best, I'm the best. Uh, and then they would compete against each other. And then I'd be like, okay, hey, you over here now, you know, and I'd take one person to the side and then I'd get them to qualify themselves to me like he would teach. And then at the end, I would say this one line and it was, you're the type of person who's very good with keeping appointments, right? 
And they'd say, yeah, yeah, I'm always on time. And before this, I was getting like three out of 10 people showing up at appointments because like they wouldn't take me serious. And then after this, I got nine out of 10 people to show up to appointments. And then as I was walking into my apartment at the end of this day, after I was like, or after like um, four or five days of doing this and people showing up and all that, I'm like, if I can learn, you know, another hundred of these like psychological tactics or how things actually work in the world, I can't not be successful. I just remember that feeling because like, if that's like three out of 10 to nine out of 10, what are all the other areas in life that that can be? And then where are all the areas that I'm being manipulated that I don't even know what's going on and that's happening to me. So I started asking those questions, which was huge awakener. And then I sent this Caesar guy a testimonial video and most people never do this. And I really wish someone, if, if anyone's listening to this and they actually start to leverage what I'm about to say, it can make a huge impact on their life. So what I would do is I would just take out my camera and I would film them a testimonial video, like people who I was learning from. And I would send it to their email. I would find their email, send it to their email saying like life-changing testimonial. Who's not going to open up their email if something says life-changing testimonial? Do you know what I mean? So as soon as they would open that up and see it, and they would see that I'm like a super hungry guy, ambitious, actually using their information, actually getting results. Well, they would first off like put that on their website. But the main thing was like these people would always respond to me saying, thank you so much for this testimonial. It's one of the best testimonials I've received. Like you look super sharp. Here's my phone number or here's a way to contact me. So I'd end up contacting all these super high level people by just sending them testimonial videos because I was giving value first. Most of the time, people have to ask you to do testimonial videos. Do you know what I mean? So they were just like, wow, this person's giving a lot of value to me and they could just see something within me. So that was where I found another mentor who was Caesar. And I, I flew out to Dallas to meet him at an event called Live the Dream. And I ended up like that night on uh, the first night of the event in a penthouse with like about like eight or 10 different uh, millionaire internet entrepreneurs. You know, I'm the only one who's like just starting out, like just barely scrounged enough money to even go to this thing in the first place. So like it just shows how fast you can be connected with something if you do that value first. But anyways, that that's a, that's where I started there. And that, that led me down the whole new path of like the internet marketing. As soon as I saw what he showed me with internet marketing, it was over. I was like, I am going to learn this stuff no matter what. It took a long time. It shouldn't have taken me so long. My ego was too involved and I, I could have learned in such better ways than I did. However, as soon as I saw the opportunity, I was like, I'm going to figure this out. No matter what it takes, I want to be able to travel the world. I want to be able to live from wherever I want. I'm like, there's just no way I'm not going to figure this out. So did you have that vision back then? Like when you were sitting in the penthouse and when you were getting exposure to that caliber of people, did you at that point have the dream and the vision of traveling the world and being a nomad and all that kind of stuff? Or did that kind of come about later? Like what was your sort of, I guess, trajectory in terms of like your vision and the lifestyle you wanted to create? And then the way that you engineered your sort of business journey to bring that to fruition? Well, yeah, thank you for asking this because it allows me to go back the tiniest bit, which is Right before I saw this video from Caesar, uh, I had run into a video from the Unstoppable Family uh, from Brian Swan. I don't know if you do know the Unstoppable Family and Hanalei and Rhonda and Brian. I know who they are, but would love for you, you feel free to give a little background for the listeners. Yeah, so 
they're, they're, they're some of my best friends in the world now. And at that time, I watched this video from Brian called Create Your Perfect Day. And he was just saying, we've been, me and my family, we, we lost everything in the 2008 crisis. We had these multiple six-figure-a-year jobs. We had the house, the car. We lost it all. And Rhonda was like, I just never want to have to put my kid through daycare. So she started to just learn this internet marketing thing. And as soon as they started making a little bit of uh, money from that, they decided we're, we're just going to take off. We're going to just like leave our life behind. We're going to figure this out and, and we're going to travel. And his video was being made after they've been traveling for four years straight with their one-year-old daughter around the world for four years, making multiple six figures online. Like I was just like, this is unbelievable. And he said, he's like, you have to write down your perfect day, meaning if you had to live the same day over and over again, what would that perfect average day in the life look like? Like if it was optimized for your best life, if there were no limitations or no consequences. So like I wrote down that night after watching this video, six pages of what I wanted my life to look like. So detailed from the smells in the morning to how I feel when I wake up to what I eat, to who I spend my time with, to what I'm creating, to, you know, all of it like so detailed, sensory and everything. Because I really believe like the law of attraction, you can say, I want to make 10K a month, but you can easily make 10K a month doing something you hate, you know? So now you're not really optimized. It's really important to optimize for health, wealth, love, happiness, spirituality. Like how can you bring that all in, in a movie in your mind? So you literally play this movie in your mind over and over again. So you can be so attuned to that vision that you start to see all the things you need to see to get that and turn it into reality. So I went through that video. Now my life is even better than what I wrote down. But I'm also live five minutes from the swans. Like and Brian's one of my best friends, the guy who taught me this in that video. It's just insane. So when you look at it's so undeniable now, because I've done this with so many people so many times where they've written out their perfect day, and we've helped them turn it into reality. It's so undeniable now that the more specifically attuned you get to that vision, and the more you dominate your mind with it, the more obvious you're going to be able to create it. But yeah, man, they're pretty incredible. But that was that was the big thing. I, I wrote it out and I'm like, I'm going to create this. Awesome. And then from there, once you had the vision, what was your path to realizing it and getting there on the business side and the financing side? So, man, I the first thing was I I got into this affiliate marketing company that was doing it's selling education products to network marketers. So it was basically, you know, network marketing, virtual training. And uh, I was like, this is genius. I watched this sales video. I'm like, this is genius. Network marketers all need help with this. They're all struggling. So of course, they need training, you know, and I'm like, and if I can sell these products to network marketers, that just makes sense. Like, okay, so I got into this company, and I started to sell these products. Uh, and then I started to build this like, uh, you know, network of people who are buying the products. And within like two months, I'd spent so much money on like solo ads, which are like sending uh, messages to people's email lists and, you know, different types of forms of advertising. And it worked out really well, actually. But within three months, the company went under and the guy had scammed a bunch of people and ran away with the money. It was a bunch of crazy stuff. And I lost everything. Everything I had built, it was like about $8,000 a month I had built it to. And that is just gone overnight. And I'd spent all my money basically, right? And he has it. He wasn't 
actually paying out. So I was like, oh shit, ended up getting like evicted from my apartment. My girlfriend left me. I just, this was a whole disaster moment in my life because I had no contingency plan. I was just like taking dumb risks. I didn't, wasn't thinking. I didn't know anything about actually like structuring my business properly. I was just being a marketer like at the end of the day and doing something that was working without really thinking about the future. So that ends up happening. And then I spent like about three to four years like testing every wacky idea I could test, trying every business idea, trying a social media agency, trying to build apps, trying to, you name it. I was just always trying to find the next thing. And, you know, it didn't work out during those times. But what it did teach me was almost everything not to do. And I almost learned like every mistake and all the trial and error I had to basically go through on my own versus, you know, if you hire the right mentors, you don't really have to go through as much of that. You still have to go through some of it, but nowhere close to as much because they've already made the mistakes. But I, for some reason, had to learn the hard way. So that was my life for three to four years. And trust me, it was like so painful because it was like, make a little money broke, make a little money broke, make a little money broke. It was over and over again, this cycle. And it's super hard. And I know everyone can relate to this on here. When you don't have capital to invest in ads and capital to invest in team and other things, you're doing everything on your own and you're grinding because you don't have any leverage. So it's all you. And then that means 80% of the things you're doing are probably things you're not very good at and the things that you don't like to do. So you're even more stressed out because you can't even focus on the things that you're good at. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty big disaster, to be honest. And how did you eventually break out of that cycle? Yeah, this is, this is a very important. So first off, I started to realize that I was good at marketing. So I started to get some clients on retainer for their, um, for their businesses, helping them with their copy, with their Facebook ads, with their branding. And that's something that I was good at. And that's something the whole time, actually, I was fairly good at the marketing side and the, you know, that's, but I was so bad on the back end and so bad at other things that I would always just self-sabotage or, or not have enough time to focus on what actually mattered in my businesses that it was too hard to, to keep it going. Um, but I realized throughout that, that I was good at this marketing. So I needed other people, like I needed like a, a co-founder or partner that was good at the other stuff. And if I could have that, then I could focus on my zone of genius while they focus on their zone of genius. So that was a very important piece that I had to learn the hard way again. It would have been way smarter for me to learn that up front and just find that person before, but I didn't understand it. And then that's when I co-founded Magnet Mount. Because I was like asking my, one of my friends that I was doing some business with, I was like, man, do you know anything about this e-com thing? I'm, I'm watching all these guys on YouTube you know, making all this money with this. And I'm watching like their marketing and like, I'm like, they're really not very good at this, but they're like, cr seems like they're crushing it. I don't know if they, the numbers were real or not or whatever, but it seemed like it was legit what they were doing, but they were really not that good. So I'm like, if I do this, I could just do it way better than them. And I could probably make a lot of money in this space. And he's like, Oh, well, I have a, I actually have a website right now. Uh, and I'm like, awesome. He's like, it only had done like a couple thousand a month. He'd done some like influencers on it. And I was like, okay, let me see it. I took a look. And I'm like, oh, there might be something here. I wasn't for sure, but I'm like, there might be something here. So I rewrote the copy and changed the pictures up. And I just structured the website to be a lot higher converting. And then I started to run some Facebook ads. And that first month we did 80K in sales. And at about like 
35% profit margin. And, you know, there was only, there was a hiccup after that where PayPal actually held a bunch of money and that, that was about a two week hiccup. But after that, we just started scaling it. And what I did with this was I just realized, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to test 10 ad sets. I'm going to find out these different audiences. I'm going to see which one's working. And it ended up being like totally different audience than you'd expect. This is why I don't suggest it for people a lot of times to build their avatars and stuff up front. Um, a lot of times ads can teach you who your avatar is. Um, so I would find out, okay, women are buying this product and here's why they're buying it. Here are all the websites that they go to. Here's like the kind of stuff that they buy from. So I was getting about like a four or 5% conversion, but then I changed the colors up on the website. I changed the copy to be the kind of copy that they're already reading. I changed the pic. We changed everything around this specific type of person and increased the conversions to 9%. And then we were able to scale it like crazy because we were specifically writing exactly the copy and the pictures and everything. So when they hit that page, they're like, this is designed for me. That was the feeling they got. So that was the game changer. But the, the big thing for me was just being able to focus on the marketing and have someone else being really good with the business systems in the back end. Can you talk a little bit about the product offering? Can you just explain what Magnet Mount is and how you came up with that particular product? Because as good as anybody's marketing is, it's really important that you actually have a high quality product that people want to buy. So can you talk about that process and how you develop that product market fit? Well, yeah. So first off, it was a white labeled product. So we just branded it. Uh, so what we didn't do drop shipping, uh, we actually like just got everything uh, branded and then we would ship it into the States. We would only sell to the States because we wanted to have really quick and fast shipping times because we realized the whole drop shipping thing, the big differentiator will be when we can say on our website, you know, two to five day shipping or two to four day shipping, like Amazon, right? People, I, I know for me, if I see like 16 days shipping on Amazon, I'm not buying. I know if I see one day shipping, I'm probably paying extra, you know, and I'm okay with that. It's like we're in an instant gratification society. So that was uh, one thing. But the product was a little mount that you put in your dashboard or in your little uh, vent and you put a little magnet in between your case and the phone and then you can stick your phone on this thing without having any, you know, without having to mess with anything. You can just go boom, it just sticks right away. And what we realized was women were actually buying it as a fashion accessory and a very good utility product, but it was like a status symbol. Um, this is something you had to learn over time through testing. You realize that that's why people were buying it. They were like matching the color with their phone and it just looked good. And then when people got in their car and they got to show them how it worked, it was like this cool thing. And how we did it with ads with this first product was we had the old, you know, those old window mounts, the big black clunky ones, you know, those like everyone was so annoyed with them. So we just had the beginning of the ad showing somebody like so annoyed with this thing for the first like two seconds, like, oh, you know, and then it immediately went into this like, like cool song and somebody using this like new sleek one. So it's exactly how Apple does it with PC. It was just this comparison, like here's the old bad way. Here's the new hero way, you know, and the comparison and contrast hit people so hard that it was so obvious to make a person that that video, I think, got seen like 10 million views or something really was so easy to run ads to because like everyone hated that problem and they loved the new solution. 
So for people that are at that stage where they're looking for an e-commerce product, let's say, to focus on, and they go through the process that you did in terms of identifying a very clear pain point that they can relate to, they think others can relate to, they think the market is underserved in this particular area, what then is the next step for actually developing the product and having it manufactured or white labeling or you know, bringing it to market? The thing that I like about the drop shipping space is that you can just go test. So if I'm going to like like sell a product, I'm not going to like spend years or months or whatever trying to develop a product that I haven't validated. I'm going to go out and I'm going to validate like by drop shipping and that's not going to make you a bunch of money up front, but it's a way of just testing, can I sell this thing? Can I create a video? Can I create content that's going to sell this thing? And people are, and it's going to like have like a good profitability. If you can do that with just drop shipping, well, then you can say, okay, now I'm going to go actually either create a better mousetrap or I'm going to white label this and create my own branding around it and build like an epic brand that people fall in love with, not just a product. So upfront, like using Facebook ads and just throwing up like a very simple, uh, very simple page with simple copy and so just test it. You know, I, I'm a big tester. That's why I would call me the mad scientist with this stuff because I, I don't try to bring in any ego into marketing. For me, everything is a test. And the people who are testing the most are winning. So if I can test 100 ads in a month and you're only testing two ads, I'm probably going to find a lot more winners. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I'm constantly in testing mode. And a lot of the times, the ones that I think are going to do great don't. And the ones that I don't think are going to do good do. And I'm okay with that. I'm just okay with seeing, okay, that's the result that's that's coming. That's the feedback I'm getting. Then I'm going to scale that. I'm not going to scale the thing that's not giving me the right feedback just because my ego wants to. Do you, do you see the, like, the difference? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I know you guys are really well known for the number of iterations that you've done uh, when you were scaling Magnet Mount. And I want to ask you about this as I was reading through the Inc. article. One of the things they said about you is that you are on the leading edge of innovating this concept of conversion psychology. Can you talk a little bit about what conversion psychology is and how that works and any tips you have for entrepreneurs with that? Yeah, well, there's a couple different angles. So Frank Kern talks a lot about behavioral response advertising and, and things like this, which means nowadays you get direct feedback. So first off, like I probably watched, I don't know how many hours of footage of the site. So a lot of people don't know this, but like things like Lucky Orange or whatever are recording your website all day long. So you can watch every single person who comes to your site and how they navigate through your site. Think about the data that that gives you. So it's going to be the heat maps and the clicks and all that, but you also just get to watch how they navigate through it. So I would watch so much footage of this to just see like, where's the drop off? Why? What are people not liking? What are they spending more time on? What are they spending less time on? And then I would tweak the website based off of their psychology, like what they're actually doing. And then conversion psychology in general, it's just important to just study how the human brain and the emotional process that we go through in general, that's just a very helpful thing. But we get direct feedback now. And then you can look at the the conversion psychology in terms of your video ad. How much are they watching? Once they get to your website, how much are they scrolling? What are they doing? What are they clicking? Then you can get to your add to cart page. What are they doing here? And then you can find the drop-off points everywhere and optimize each point in real time. 
Like think about back in the day, you'd have a billboard. How do you know if you have 10 billboards in your city, which ones are converting? You don't, you know? So if you just got a bunch of new sales, like how do you know which of those nine to cut and which one to leave? You don't, so you end up wasting so much money. Whereas with the internet, you can constantly test every area until you find what's working best and what's working worse and optimize every single area. It's just, it's unbelievable we have access to now. Can you talk a little bit more about this concept of behavioral response marketing and explain exactly what that means and then how to set up and customize your marketing according to behavior? Yeah, so it's the same idea with uh, with what I was talking about, but at a different angle. So basically, if somebody has hit a certain product page on your website, and that's the last touch point you had with them, well, they're going to be segmented kind of on a different list within your Facebook ads or YouTube ads or whatever. So that means you can retarget those people based off of the last touch point you had with them. So you and I, I, I wouldn't like, uh, you know, next time we talk, I wouldn't be talking like we never met each other before. That wouldn't make sense. That's not where we're at in our relationship. We just had this podcast, you know, where we've moved further along. So in business, people are always retargeting the people who have already been to their website, maybe been to the website four times and checked it out, maybe bought from them before, and they're retargeting them like they're a new customer because they just are targeting everybody like they're the exact same. But we need to be targeting people and messaging them based off of where they were last at within our brand and how they've actually interacted with the brand. So if they haven't opened up your emails, then they shouldn't be getting a different message than the ones that had. If they've bought from you three times, they should be getting a different message than the one who's only bought from you once or never bought from you. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, If you can really start to narrow down the messaging towards those people, they're going to feel much more understood. Like you're at a different level of the relationship with them and your conversions are going to go way higher. Absolutely. Can you also talk about one of the other things I know that you pay a lot of attention to and customize for as well is the multi-platform advertising and the way you design your platform-specific strategies. Can you just talk in general about the importance of that and then specific tactics for how you guys have done that effectively? Yeah, every business is going to be different based off of like what industry you're in and where your audience is. And wherever is going to be the best for you to kind of target cold traffic, uh, that's where you're going to like focus most of your time on cold traffic. If it's YouTube ads bring you in way cheaper and way higher quality people on the front end than Facebook, well, you're probably not going to spend very much time on cold traffic on Facebook because it's kind of a waste of money unless you're just absolutely crushing it and the other one's still doing good. But if that front end is bringing in the like good conversions and you're able to scale it, then on the back end, you're going to be retargeting people on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on wherever it is. Because now you can just follow them around the internet, on Google, on everywhere, right? Now you just become omnipresent. And at the end of the day, that's what we want. We want to feel like we are the Coca-Cola of our space to everyone who has touched our brand. So let's say you only have 100 people who have hit your website. Well, those 100 people should feel like you are the Coca-Cola, like, like you're everywhere. Because how our brains work when we're online is every ad we see and we constantly see, our brain thinks that everybody else is seeing that too. You know what I mean? Like that's how our brain works. We don't assume, we don't think that we're the only ones getting these ads. 
our brain just thinks, oh, this is like Coca-Cola because that's what we're used to. So you become that brand for that person, which gives you a way higher likelihood in them buying from you because you're dominating their mind. And positioning is not about being the top in the category just by itself. It's about being the top of every category in the mind of people. So there's a important concept of positioning, which is if I always use this as an example when I'm teaching people the, how to position their products, you know, I ask them, just try to say seven different soft drinks, you know, like, and people will go, there'll be a Coke, Pepsi, 7-Up, ginger ale, and they'll go and they'll get to about seven and they won't be able to remember anymore, even though there's hundreds, right? But we can only usually remember about seven things in any category. And the top like three to four are the ones who are dominating. So, you know, Coke and Pepsi obviously dominate the soft drink market. It'd be really hard to create a competing drink against them unless you created a new category. And that new category then dominated the first position in the minds of other people. This is called playing in the red ocean versus the blue ocean. This is why everyone's micro niching now, creating their own categories, because then they dominate that category. And then if you can get people to hit your website, and now you can be omnipresent to them everywhere with this category that you've I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single family homes sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, the physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. Created in their minds, now they're going to buy from you and want to be a part of your brand. I think that's really, really important. Can you talk a little bit about now how you scaled? You mentioned that in the first month you did about 85,000 in revenue. And then from there, you scaled it substantially uh, and ended up with over 3 million revenue your first year of launching this product. Can you talk about what some of the major leverage points were for you being able to scale it that quickly and to hit that 3 million revenue mark in the first 12 months? Yeah, so first off, it, it was one product at first, but then we launched the wireless charging version of the same product, and then we launched other products as well. So the multi-products help a lot because as you're moving forward, now you're building a huge email list, now you're able to send them new offers and products, now you're able to retarget all of these people who have already bought from you with new products. So it allows you to just like exponentially start to grow. But the big thing that happened was just Q4. So we ended up doing all of this work for so long and, you know, scaling and scaling. But then when Q4 hit, you know, November, December, we did like, I think over a million in those two months. So uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like that. So it started to grow like much more exponentially at that point. And that's because you have all of this audience that you can retarget. You're retargeting on all the different platforms. You're optimizing on the different platforms. 
you're hitting them from multiple angles with multiple different products. So it just allows you to like, you know, put the, put your foot on the gas pedal. And this was also when Facebook ads <laughs> were much easier. Trust me, Facebook ads are not what they used to be. They're still possible to do all this stuff. But when someone's starting out, it's a totally different game now. You have to be so much more compliant. Ads get denied so much easier. Scaling is much harder in, in multiple different ways. It's still very possible to do. You just have to be, you have to be a lot better now, to be honest. It was a lot easier for us. But here's one thing that I really want to give as like the big tip that we did that I, I almost never see people doing, which just seems insane to me. We would just get, let's say we have an audience of 18 to 23 year old women, right? Or 25 to 30 year old women. These are segmented audiences, let's say. Well, am I going to target that person with ads of myself that, you know, don't really resonate with this person? Or I'm going to get like a 20 year old girl who's basically the exact avatar to just show themselves using the product saying this product is XX and X, you should get one too kind of thing. Of course, I'm going to use the avatar who's like them, you know, so we had all these ads going out there with certain people who were like the ideal avatar of who the person would want to be talking about the product. And these things would convert like crazy. And these were all filmed with an iPhone. And just have someone in their car, 15 second story, someone showing themselves using the product. Like that's how simple it was. You didn't need any big equipment. Actually, besides our first ad that was professionally filmed, almost all the other professionally ads that we filmed did not convert well. But all of our ones that was just filmed with an iPhone usually converted so much better. The other ones were still good for branding, but they weren't good for direct response. The other ones were really good for direct response. And anybody can do that. And you can do that with any product or service. Awesome. I'm interested in hearing a little bit about your move into the educational space, information product space, and teaching other people to do what you have done. I would love to hear a little bit about that transition and then what you've developed. We mentioned at the beginning the Limitless Masterclass, and I'd love to hear a little bit about you know what that is and how you moved into that direction. Man, this is my biggest passion in the world because like my greatest passion by far is just, you know, sparkling someone's eyes when their brain lights up, you know, when it awakens to a new level of what's possible. Like I just, it's an addiction to me to see that. And whether that's helping someone quit smoking or, you know, see what they can do with getting in shape or making more money or impacting more people's lives, whatever it is, just having their brain wake up to the next level. Because at the end of the day, I feel we were never given our owner's manual as kids. You know, it's not like we were told, here's how your brain works, little guys, you know, it, instead, we just get taught subjects, and we learn through osmosis until we're at about age seven, we don't have really any deductive reasoning, we're not questioning things, we're just sucking in all the programming. And that's why you have your accent, I have my accent, everyone from another country has a different accent, we pick it up automatically. We also pick up programs on money, programs on health, most of which is just passed down from generation to generation. And since reality is created by validation, meaning the more people all believe one thing, the more it comes a truth in their mind, not necessarily a scientific truth, then you start to realize, oh my God, like most of what people believe is just believed because everyone else believes it. So for me, understanding these things at these deeper layers allowed me to really do a lot of things within marketing to sell products and services. But I realized those same things that work with selling products and services can be used on ourselves to get ourselves to become better. So I got so passionate about, wow, if I can 
get people to move into action to buy products and services, maybe I can get people to stop smoking. Maybe I can get people to create the life that they want and believe in themselves. Maybe I can sell people on themselves. And I started to use these things on that. And so I've become so much more passionate about using all these psychological triggers and principles to create change in people than anything else. That's awesome. And what is the Limitless Masterclass exactly? How does that work? What is people's experience when they choose to come into that? So here's the honest truth. The honest truth is it's actually a much harder thing to sell than how to make money with Facebook ads or how to this, how to that, because people actually don't, people actually are very resistant to change, but they're also very resistant to things that aren't like instant gratification. And Limitless to me isn't instant gratification, but I want to give in a couple examples because the people who really learn this are the ones who truly succeed. And that's why there's so few people who succeed because everyone wants magic pills and magic bullets. Those things don't work. Um, You actually have to go to the gym on a regular basis if you want to get into shape. Do you know what I mean? You don't just randomly get there. But one of the big things that I learned, and it came from Bruce Lee, and people used to say, Bruce, how do we become great like you? Like, how do we do this? So he'd be like, all right, come to the dojo and show me your moves. They'd come in, they'd be like, wah, wah, wah. They'd show him their moves. And then he would be like, all right, sit down with me for a second. And he'd sit him across the table and we put a glass of Coke in front of them. And he would say, I want you to look at that glass of Coke and realize this is what represents your knowledge about martial arts. This is what you think to be true. And then he put a glass of water in front of himself. He'd say, this is the truth, or this is what I know to be true about martial arts. And if you want what I have, you're first going to have to be willing to dump out what you think to be true so I can pour in this knowledge. But if you're not willing to dump out what you think is true, then I can't help you. And this is a big thing, like what, what Limitless is about, but it's a big thing in general, is most people are so filled up with their beliefs about how things work they won't be willing to actually change how they operate in order to take on the new beliefs because it's too painful to have go through that cognitive dissonance. But if you are willing to do that and like positively brainwash yourself basically and get rid of those old beliefs to bring in the new ones, you can absolutely completely change the whole way your computer operates. You can like be the computer hacker of your own mind. And all a computer hacker does is they find a way to get inside a system so they can then change the way that system operates. And as soon as that system's operating differently, now it's going in a different direction, whether that's a good or a bad thing. You, computer hacking can be used for good or bad. We need to be the positive computer hackers of our own mind. Now, at first, we can't do that because we need to know how this stuff works. So one of the things that is in Limitless is my, one of my mentors and coaches, Nico, he does three hypnosis sessions that people listen to morning, afternoon, and night. And some people are like, oh, hypnosis, does, does that work or whatever? It's just subconscious reprogram. That's how I look at it. He's basically hacking into your mind for you, installing new thoughts and beliefs into you. And you do it on a regular basis because it's the repetition and consistency of proven principles that's going to give someone change. It's not one time you listen to something and then it's better. And this is a problem I have with people reading hundreds of books, going through so many courses, is you just get all this surface level knowledge. I want to go deep. So I try to find the best knowledge information. And then I read those books or go through that course over and over again. And I go through it and implement, go through, implement, go through, implement to create real change. So sometimes people are like, how do you get an eight pack? How do you do this? How do you do that? 
I'm like, because I just repeat proven principles over and over again. Some people don't want to hear this. They want that magic pill. They want that thing that's just going to magically change everything. It doesn't work that way. So Limitless is actually a pretty short course. It's about uh, one hour and people are supposed to listen to it daily because this is what happened for me. When I was doing my dishwashing job and I was still trying to like escape the grind and I was trying to build my businesses, I was always one headphone in my ear listening to the same things over and over and over again. And over time, it just totally switched the way my brain worked and then it switched the way I saw reality and then it switched the way I could attract opportunities and do the things that I needed to do. So that's why I created this because it's exactly what I did to break free. So I, I made it short on purpose so someone doesn't get information overload like too much. I just want them to repeat these same things over and over and over again. And then you do the hypnosis session, which is like eight minutes in the morning, about three minutes in the afternoon, I think like six minutes at night. So it's not a lot. And then the other one, you can listen to it on 1.5, two times speed. And now you're getting the whole thing done in like 45 minutes a day. Do you know what I'm saying? But every day for 30 days, because I don't believe in this trying to bring in too much information, just the same thing over and over. And if I could get someone to really understand that concept, they will actually go through and change. And I've had so many amazing success stories uh, from this because they can apply it to anything. That's why I believe the number one thing is you hack your own mind first. You, you positively brainwash yourself. You put yourself in a situation where your computer is operating at a different level. You're seeing things from a different place. Now you can attach to everything because here's the big thing that I, I want to get across here. When someone says to me something like, I can't quit smoking, I'll be like, wait, so what you're kind of saying to your brain right now is you can't not take the lighter press the button and not put this thing in your mouth. Like that's kind of what they're saying, right? It's crazy. What they actually mean to be saying is, I can't prevent these subconscious habits that come up and get triggered to, uh, I can't be conscious of that before I already put the cigarette in my mouth and I've already smoked it. You know, it's a mind issue. It is not a, actually you can't do the physical action. And it's the same thing in business. Business is not actually that hard. We actually just have to create more value and show somebody else that this is more valuable to them than their money, whatever it is, and it solves their problem. And then you just scale that by multiplying that process. It's not like this super difficult thing. But our mind is going to hold us back with our limiting beliefs, with what we think is possible, with I'm not good enough, with, oh, is this actually me? Or a million different things are coming up. And until we flush those out, it doesn't matter the practical steps that I give someone who's in that position. The practical steps won't matter until they actually believe in themselves. So Tony Robbins, this is the last thing I'll go on this, has the cycle of certainty. And this is basically, we all have potential, right? We all have like almost limitless potential. But if we think we have low potential, we're going to take a small amount of action. When we take that small amount of action, it's going to get us a small amount of results. Since we get a small amount of results, we get less belief. And since we have less belief, we start to believe that our potential is even less. What if we split the equation and we believe that we have a lot of potential because we believe we have that huge amount of potential and truly thought about it like with certainty, then we'd start taking more action. Because we took more action, we'd start to see some more results. Because we started to see those results, our belief then goes up and then we think we even have more potential. And it's either going on a positive upward spiral or a downward spiral. There's no staying the same. That doesn't exist in reality. We're either going one way or we're going the other. So I'm just always 
how do I get someone to believe more in their potential so they start taking more action? And one of those things is we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with, which includes our digital influence. That's why people are watching this podcast. This is another form of the five people you're spending the most time with. That's why when I was in Canada and all these times in my life where I was really having a hard time, I didn't have the people around me to help support me through that, but I had the digital mentors, right? And they they were the ones that got me through it. So I, I just wanted to pay that forward with this course and give the best out of the 500 books that I've read and the you know $100,000 or more I've spent on mentors over the year, all of that. I wanted to pay that forward in this condensed version of all the best stuff that I learned within that time. That is really, really awesome. I want to talk to you now a little bit about the lifestyle that you have today. And we talked about how you envisioned it, where that inspiration came from, how you then put the work in on the business side to build and achieve what you have. And now today, I would love to hear a little bit about what does your lifestyle look like now that you've achieved location independence? Can you talk a little bit about your lifestyle design choices and how you live today? Yeah, absolutely, man. So back then, like it's it's very similar to what I what I wrote out. Like it's a very similar life. The only difference is I'm just so much more consciously aware uh, than I was back then. Not, then it was much more about like I would say freedom, and now it's much more about impact and and mission and purpose. But the lifestyle is still there because it's completely integrated. I don't honestly think almost anything I do isn't work. And everything I do is work at the same time. Does that make sense? So it's like everything touches everything. When I'm at the gym, it's also my work. When I'm uh, with friends, my conscious friends and people that I love to be around, even if we're just joking around, it's also work. But it's also play. It's all integrated. It's just completely aligned with who I want to be. That that's the most beautiful thing I, I I think somebody can reach. Like to me, there's nothing better than that. That's awesome, man. Can you talk a little bit about your sort of health and fitness routines? You've alluded to that a little bit a few times here. And I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about, you know, what it is that you're doing fitness wise. I know you're into martial arts. You'd mentioned the gym and that kind of stuff. And just maybe talk a little bit about how health and fitness, the role that that plays in your life and what those types of routines look like for you at this point. Yeah, I think fitness is one of the just greatest metaphors for life. And it's so powerful to realize, okay, if I go to the gym and I break down my muscle, you know, in reality, if that were like in a, in school, we would call that like failure. You know, every time you go to the gym, you basically are a failure because I fail on every last set. You know, I fail on my cardio. I fail whatever, because I'm always pushing myself just past my limit. And even Will Smith says this, like, you got to just run, like run every day and run just past your comfort zone every day, and it's going to teach your mind to become stronger. So I, I use that as a metaphor. So every time I'm in the gym, I'm trying to just push myself past that. And then I'm like, what other areas in life should I be doing this? You know, we need to be getting on that extra sales call that's un uncomfortable. We need to be uh, pushing ourselves through those mental pains when we're trying to finish something and, and it's like getting a little bit hard. It's like, just push that little bit extra. And Stop looking at it as failure because that doesn't actually exist and start to just see this is just feedback. This is only feedback teaching me that I need to get a little bit better and teaching me that if I push a little bit more, that the next time I come back, I'm going to be a little bit stronger. And if we can start to just do that in each area of our life, and I'm not this like super hardcore who's like, 
you know, kill yourself at the gym every day. But I'm like, just push yourself a little bit more, just a little bit, you know, each day. And then in a year from now, if you push yourself a little bit more, five, six days a week, where are you going to be in a year? You know, and this is again, part of what the limitless is about. It's not about doing everything one time and then you're good. It's like, no, every day do the thing and stay consistent. The proven principles and that are applied consistently over time are going to give you a completely new life. So that's, man, for me, fitness is like, first off, health. If you don't have your health, like all the money in the world is going to be useless to you. So it's extremely important to just stay healthy. It makes your brain work better. You just feel stronger. You feel more adaptable. So it's a, it's a very important piece of my life. Can you talk a little bit as well about your productivity routines, the, your day structure, how you're able to be as productive as you are in general. Like, I'd love to hear about any morning routines that you have, even just including what time do you get up in the morning? What kind of morning routines do you have? And then how do you structure your days, you know, over the course of the week to be as productive on the work front as you are? Do you have evening routines? You know, any details that you can share about that? I'd really be interested. Yeah, so I'm a little bit different to some people. And there's a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs who really preach like I get up 530 every day on this they're like very militant about it Uh, I actually become more creative if I'm a little bit more in flow so every day looks a little bit different but of course there are like routines in there but some days I'll be at the gym at one o'clock some days I'll be at four o'clock some days I'll go in the morning so it's not like every day is the exact same And, and I do that for a reason I like to stay in my creativity and sometimes this makes me less creative but sometimes it gives me amazing creativity So I'm more flowy like that. But that's because I've been able to structure and have teams around me who are able to keep other things structured. If it was just me, I would have to have that extreme structure or else it'd be very hard. But I'm doing different podcasts like this. I'm meeting different people. I'm going to different events. Just always things are popping up and I I have to be able to be very adaptable to those things. One of the biggest productivity tips that changed my life from that I learned from Eben Pagan was just like the 60-60-30 principle. And what this is, is you work, you know, 50 to 60 minutes straight on one task, single-minded focus, no, you know, phone on, no any dings and notifications, just single-minded on one task. And you work on that thing as soon as, and this is the, the thing that I use is a kitchen timer instead of a phone or anything. I think a kitchen timer, it's old school and it's one of the best productivity tools you can have because you just turn it on, 60 minutes, I'm focused on this one thing for the next 60 minutes, that's it. And then ding, I'm gonna take a 10 minute break and do something completely different than anything work-based, whether that's some push-ups, you know, juggle a soccer ball, talk with somebody, whatever it is. And then when that 10 minutes dings, boom, right back into the 60 minutes, single-minded focus on the specific high-value task. And then you do that again, same thing, break, and then you do 30 minutes and then 30 minutes off. So that's something that's been a game changer. If I feel like if people can do even one of those in a day, they're doing more than they do most of their days. Because I think what most people do is they spend 12 hours working on a bunch of busy work, but really they're scrolling social media and they're doing like eight things at once. So by the end of the day, they didn't really get anything done anyways. So the 12 hours is almost a waste. So I'd rather do two and a half of like hardcore work like that. And I'll probably be more productive doing that than most people are working 12 hour days for the next 30 days. Absolutely. 
I also want to ask you about lucid dreaming. You mentioned to me that that's something that's been really important to you. Can you explain what lucid dreaming is and then talk about the role that that's played in your life? I'm so excited, man. This is the first time I've ever been able to talk about this on a podcast. So thank you. Uh, Yeah, man, it was a game changer. So those who don't know what lucid dreaming is, because I actually, when I was about 22 years old, I laughed in someone's face when they told me about lucid dreaming because I was so skeptical. Uh, I literally feel so dumb now looking back on that. But I literally like laughed at the person thinking they were so stupid. And then I realized after that I was the dumb one. So lucid dreaming is when you become consciously awake inside your dream. And once you become consciously awake inside your dream, you can then control your dream. And it's just as real as the real world. And it sounds crazy to people who have not experienced it before. This is what like the movie Inception is about. And I've experienced all these things that happen in Inception, like dream inside a dream. And it's a completely different world. But here's why lucid dreaming really made an impact on me. So inside of a dream, none of the laws apply in this reality. So inside of a dream, when you're walking on a ground, you know, you're not actually walking on any ground. It's just a projection of what you believe reality is. So actually, you can just drop right through that ground if you wanted to. You can walk through walls, no problem. You can fly, you can do anything. But because our mind is projecting what we believe to be possible, what we believe our limitations are, that's what our dream mimics. So as soon as you wake up from that, and then you start to play within that reality, you start to say, oh, maybe I can fly. So I would like try to fly when I first started learning this, and I wasn't able to do it. My body would just jump like normal. But eventually, my mind was freed from that, and then I could just launch off and fly. And in the movie The Matrix, there's many scenes where you know, Morpheus is trying to get Neo to do different things. It's like, I'm trying to free your mind. And he tries to get him to jump over this to the other side of this building. And Neo tries to do it, but then he just falls, right? Because his mind doesn't believe that it's possible. So he can't do it. So it really allows you in lucid dreams to completely free your perceptions, to free your mind to way beyond what you think is possible. And you could, you can, you know, you could do like 360 vision. You can, you can literally do anything the more you free your mind within it. So what it allowed me to do is just question more of this reality. So yes, I believe in the laws of physics, so I'm not going to jump off of a building. However, it freed my mind past of what, what most people believe is possible. So I started to ask myself, what is actually possible versus what are people making me believe or think is possible? What are the limitations other people have been putting on us and our minds that aren't actually true that we can free our minds to? Because our imaginations are some of the most powerful things in the universe. And like you can imagine whatever it is that you want. And that, 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 that includes the visions that you have for the life that you want. And the more you can dominate your, your mind with those visions and believe that they're possible while also not being delusional because you stay within the laws of physics, then you can create any life that you want within that. And that to me, like lucid dreaming, totally freed my mind to this, like what is possible. What tips or techniques do you have for people that want to try to start experimenting with lucid dreaming. Let's say there's some listeners that this is literally the first time they've ever heard of it. And they're like, I want to try that. You know, like yeah. what is what is sort of the beginner 101 techniques for trying to start experimenting with that? 
Yeah, there's a lot of really good tips. So I'll just give a couple of very simple ones. So the first one is before you're going to sleep, you're going to want to just start to program yourself with the belief that it's possible to wake up inside your dream and just say, tonight I'm going to wake up inside my dream. I'm going to see something weird in my dream tonight, like a boat driving down the street, which doesn't happen in reality. And it's going to trigger my mind and say, okay, yeah, I'm dreaming. Okay. And then you're going to have an awakening moment. That's one tip. And that's got to be a conscious like practice. Uh, another one is when you wake up in the morning to just keep, keep a dream journal. So when you wake up, as soon as you like, whatever it is that you were just dreaming about, just immediately start writing it down. Because when you start writing down these dreams uh, in the morning and you start flipping through them, then the next time you're in a dream that's very similar, your brain's going to go, oh, this is a dream, right? Uh, another thing is doing constant checks. So I don't do a lot of lucid dreaming anymore. And I, I, I go through phases. But what would happen when I was lucid dreaming a lot is when I would be in normal waking state, I would always be, uh oh, am I dreaming? Because there would be so many times when I would be dreaming and I would think I would be awake and vice versa. It really kind of, it kind of can combobulate your reality a little bit. So I would have to do tests. And this is why in Inception, he had that little thing that he would spin just to make sure if he was dreaming or not. So I would have to have all sorts of tests. So one of the tests is like if you open up a book in a dream, the words will kind of like jumble a little bit. And then if you flip the page back again, it will be like different words. So there's all these little triggers that will show you if you're dreaming or not. I would just do those all the time. I would knock on things. I would flick on and off light switches. I would do these things as triggers during the day so that if I was dreaming, I would just be more consciously aware of all the little details. And something would be off and that would trigger me to wake up. The biggest thing though is just to tell yourself like it is possible because if you don't have the belief that it's possible, you're not gonna wake up in a dream. You're just gonna be unconscious through it. Awesome. I also want to talk to you a little bit about travel. I know that that was sort of initially part of your vision that really drove you and you've now been to over 40 countries. And I just want to start with a macro level question. At this point in your life, why do you travel? What do you get out of it? What does travel mean to you? Mm, I, think, uh, I think wisdom comes from multiple perspectives. So if you just look at the hierarchy of information, you got data, which is just the just is of the world. It doesn't change. It just is. We just have to make sense of it. And then we have information. This is something that informs us of that data. So if we have a goal, we can get some information so we know how to get to that goal. And then there's knowledge, which is kind of organizing all that information into like a body of information, a body of knowledge, which is like a step-by-step -step book process, whatever. And then we have understanding. And this is when we actually don't just read about riding the bike. We read and then we actually ride the bike and we get understanding because we've actually experienced it. And then we come to like the higher level, which is doing that in as many perspectives as possible. So the person who's going to be wise in this world is the one who's gone to all the different cultures, not the one that's just like read about it only, but they've actually been there and met people in all these different ways. They've experienced the world in so many different angles and so many perspectives that they actually can see it from completely different angle, from multiple angles. And if we only have one perspective from the one place we've lived in and the one small town and the one whatever, well, it's going to be very easy to convince people like that, that like the people on the other side of the world are evil or terrorists or whatever. But with my experience, like I've been to countries all over the world, whether it's Africa, South America, Asia, whatever, 
and you meet incredible people everywhere you go and you also meet people who aren't incredible everywhere you go right so you start to like realize all this stuff that's like been programmed to me within the media within whatever is so easy to be programmed into me at those times because i didn't know any better cuz i didn't have any wisdom so I, I really believe in just seeing the world and, and seeing everything about it and learning from it. And I get so much value from people like the the founder of Nike, if you read his book, Shoe Dog, so, uh, Phil Knight, so powerful. He went on this like quest, this travel quest, and he went to Greece and he went to Rome and he went to all these places. And, you know, the name Nike came from one of the, the gods that he like studied while he was in Greece. And he got so many perspectives from this trip that he just saw the world from such a bigger perspective. And of course, it's so much like when you want to build things, same with Steve Jobs, when he did his quests and he did, these guys saw so many different things. And I think in entrepreneurship, it's so powerful. I get ideas with every restaurant I go to, everywhere I travel, I'm just like, whoa, I never ever thought about it that way. And then it connects to another thing and another thing. And your mind just starts swimming with ideas and dots connecting. It's just beautiful. Can you talk a little bit about how you structure your travel cadence, how much you're traveling, how long you're traveling for, and how you choose your destinations at this point? It's really all depending now. Th things are a lot different now. Uh, before, it was much more about, I want to go experience this new place or you know, I want to go adventure. or th That was a lot more of my wants at that time. Now, I went to Europe for the summer with uh, one of my business partners and we were in Netherlands for a month. That month, we barely like went out and did much at all. We were just grinding, hustling. And that was like one of the pendulum shifts, you know? Like sometimes you just go into the hustle and grind mode. And that's a beautiful time. Like that's a great thing to do sometimes. But I wouldn't want to stay there, right? But there's time and place for that. Uh, then we went to Ukraine. I did a speech in Ukraine. So a lot of my travel now revolves around going and speaking at different events. So we were in Ukraine. And then we went to Georgia because uh, my business partner is originally from Georgia in um, the country, Georgia, not in America. And that was so cool because I would have never gone to that place if it wasn't him saying, hey, let's go visit my family, you know? So I got to experience a new country that I never planned on going to, never thought about. And that was actually such a cool experience because usually I'm planning, I'm going to go this place because I want to see this or I want to see that. But instead, I'm just like, I'm not even going to look up almost anything about this country and I'm just going to show up here. So it was like, I had no idea, no expectations and just went in. So my travel man now, it's a lot to do with work focused and just like, what's the next adventure in terms of where's life taking me? Not, I'm going to try to like control it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I was actually in Tbilisi, Georgia earlier this year as well. And what a cool city that is. How cool, man. That one area, like it looks like a fantasy land. The old town is unbelievable. Oh my God. It's like, what is this place? Yeah, totally. Yeah, really, really cool place for people to check out. Let me ask you one more question, Gavin, and then I want to move us into the lightning round and wrap this up. I want to ask you about how you handle stress 
in general as an entrepreneur or even in life in general? You mentioned there was a lot of really difficult times you went through, a lot of setbacks that were really intense and challenging. And at this point in your life, even though you've had just crushing breakthroughs on the business front and everything else, you know, that entrepreneurial roller coaster, yeah. <laughs> as we call it, is still there, uh, as well as everything else that that hits us in life. And so I would love just to hear how you manage and deal with highly stressful situations. Man, uh, I think uh, as a human being, it's uh, it's very difficult because like our primal triggers, when that fear comes up, when those nerves kick in, all of that, it's, it's, it's not easy. So I go to this one quote from uh, Susan Jeffers, which is, if you knew you could overcome any challenge, what more would you have to fear? And I think this is such a powerful quote, if you really dive into that, if you knew you could overcome any challenge, what more would you have to fear? So now, in these challenging moments, and these times where I don't, there's so many unknowns, and what's going to happen, and I'm just like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to overcome this somehow. And I, I can get myself into that state much quicker now where before it could like paralyze me for weeks, months. But now I'm just like, this is part of the going to the gym, right? You overcome the challenge and you get back up stronger. However, one of the things, there's a couple of things that I do. So one of the things is, and I've always done this, is I put on audiobooks with people like, uh, you know, Paul McKenna and like, you know, these NLP specialists who are just masters of positive po programming and things like that. And I'm going to put that in my mind because a lot of the time I just need a new perspective or I just need somebody there saying it's okay. Another thing is I needed to learn to let go of my ego and be able to ask for help, be vulnerable. And this is a big thing, especially, I don't know, it might be as much for women as men, but for men, especially, at least from the ones that I've met, we have a very hard time like admitting that we're failing or that we're losing or that we're making mistakes or we don't want to like be seen in that vulnerable position like we're injured or something. So we try to solve everything on our own. It's really important to have a support system, you know, and the right people around you and have people that you can say, hey, listen, like I'm really going through some hard times right now. I'm grinding. I'm really working. I'm out there on the battlefield, but I'm coming home and I just feel like, you know, I just need to let you know I'm not doing as good as it may look like on social media. You know what I mean? And just have that support. It's really, really helpful then to just like isolate yourself like I did for so many years. That was really painful. Awesome advice, man. All right, Gavin, at this point, are you ready to move into the lightning round? Let's go. Let's do it. The lightning round. All right, what is one book that has significantly impacted you over the years that you would recommend? I know you've read a lot of books, so if you want to name more than one, <laughs> you can, but at least one book that you highly recommend people check out. Yeah, so many, but I'm just going to give the, the most simple and the one that I've read probably a hundred or more times, which is As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And this is just a little 40-page book that is just packed with genius wisdom. It's kind of written a little bit old school. Uh, so some of the words might, you know, you might need a little bit uh, to look through it to see like what he's really trying to say. But uh, Tony Robbins recommends this as one of his number one books for people too. And it's just so short and easy to read. You can read it in a sitting and you can just read this over and over again to reprogram your mind. It's just brilliant wisdom. Awesome. What is one app or productivity tool you're currently using that you would recommend people check out? Well, let's talk about the simple one. I like simplicity. Kitchen timer. 
get a kitchen timer and use that and just time yourself for these times of uninterrupted uh, productive hours, right? People are trying to get too over the top with all the tools. And I'm fine with that if they're actually really good with it. But I think a lot of time they're using all these other things as like a crutch where it's like it can actually be very simple. So I think sometimes we need to simplify more. Awesome. What is one content medium that you consume, either a podcast you listen to or a blog you read uh, that you would most recommend people check out? Uh, for me, to be honest, I listen to mainly audiobooks. Um, but uh, yeah, man, like, man, I love your podcast. I love Addicted to Success. I love, uh, man, so many different podcasts, but I, I don't listen to as many. Um because that's just not my phase. I used to listen to a lot of podcasts, though. Like when you're when you're going through the times where you need the constant to hear these stories over and over again to remotivate yourself, like that's what I did over and over again. I would listen to these podcasts just so I could be like, "Damn, they were where I am, and they're now like achieving." I just needed that constant like reset, recharge. Awesome. If you could have dinner with any person that's currently alive today that you've never met, just you and that person for a extended three-hour dinner and conversation, who would you choose and why? Uh, I think I would have dinner right now. There's so many people. like, But uh, probably Dr. David Buss, uh, who's like the master of evolutionary psychology. I have one of his books. It's a $160 textbook. And it, he's he's really decoded the human animal deeper than anybody else on the planet the exact reasons why we do everything we do. Uh, and I think that's the most powerful information you can have in, in this world, to be honest, is just knowing why I do what I do, why my emotions work the way they do, why uh, my conflicts and relationships are the way they are, why I can't seem to connect with this person or that. He just really is a master of decoding it all. And uh, yeah, I love it. So I would, I would ask him and grill him all, all the important questions. Awesome. If you could go back in time now, knowing everything that you know today, and give one piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, what would you say to 18-year-old Gavin? Oh, man, I would definitely just, I would want him to understand that if you can align with, if you can have your vision of what you want, and you can align with how the world actually works versus the way you want it to work, then you can decode and create anything you want. But if you just wish for things and hope for them and want them to work your way, you're going to run into a lot of hard problems. That's really good advice. Last two questions are travel related. What are your top three favorite travel destinations you've ever been to that you'd most recommend people check out? Uh, my favorite in the, on the list is Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. I love it. I love playing football and being on the beach and the whole active lifestyle and the passion and the excitement. I'm just a big fan of uh, that city, even though it's one of the most dangerous cities in the world. There's some vibe there that I just absolutely love. Then Bali. Bali is like, I consider my home. Absolutely. There's an energy here. The amount of entrepreneurs that are coming through here. I don't know. There's just so much incredible things happening here in Bali. And what would my last one be? That's a, it's a good question. No, I'm going to have to pass on that one. Those are my two favorite. Okay. And what are your top three bucket list destinations? So places that you've never been that are the highest on your list right now that you'd most like to see top three. Yeah. So I'm going to be heading to Barcelona soon. Uh, this is going to be a beginning of February. We might actually make a sec second home there, my team. 
So I'm really excited to get to Barcelona. I've always wanted to go to Istanbul. I'm really excited. I think there's, I've heard a lot of great things about that place. And I think it'd be very cool vibes there. So I'm I'm pumped to to find myself there. And then let's throw in like a curveball or something. Actually, I'll probably, maybe like Japan. I want to go check out Japan and some some epic technology while also the ancient history and wisdom there. Those are really amazing picks. Those are actually three of my favorite places. So uh, really, really good choices. Awesome. Gavin, this has been a fantastic conversation, my friend. I want you to let people know, first of all, how they can learn more about the Limitless Masterclass and then also how they can follow you on social media and come into your universe and learn more about what you're up to. Perfect, man. Yeah. So on social media, it's just everything Gavin Dantes with a Z at the end, not an S. So if you Google, you can find Google Gavin Dantes, you can find everything on that first page there, the article. And for Americans, that means a Z. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then for Limitless, it's limitlessmasterclass.com. You can get the course there. And what I would love to do for your audience is I'd love to just give like a 50% off on the course if they use the word maverick at the checkout page and yeah i would love that get into the community we have facebook community we have like we make sure to like set people up with accountability partners because at the end of the day if you're really staying motivated with the right people it's just a it's so powerful uh and just to be around that that environment that vibe and just like know like you actually are limitless we are all born limitless it's that society and everyone around us is actually putting limits on us. So we need to break free from that. And there's a select few of us out here in the world, you know, a smaller percentage who have learned this and we're doing it. And you've done it. There's, I've met thousands of people over the years who have done it. And we were all in the same place before where we didn't necessarily know it was possible. And we had these awakening moments and went down the rabbit hole. So anyone who's looking to really dive into that, I would love to see them in the course. So limitlessmasterclass.com. Amazing. And we're going to link all of this up in the show notes, folks. So you can just go to one place at themaverickshow.com. Just go to the show notes for this episode and everything that we talked about, all of the things that Gavin recommended over the course of this interview, as well as the link and the code for the discount on the Limitless Masterclass, all going to be in one place at themaverickshow.com. Gavin, thank you for so much for being here, man. This was really, really an awesome conversation. I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, man. I, re- I appreciate it, especially the lucid dreaming. Thank you for letting me talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. Would you like to get Maverick Investor Group's white paper on real estate investing for digital nomads? How to buy U.S. rental properties from anywhere in the world and finance an epic international lifestyle? Just go to the maverickshow.com slash nomad. The report is totally free and available for you now at the maverickshow.com forward slash nomad. Do you want to learn how to travel the world for a year plus with carry-on luggage only and look good while you're doing it? Go to themaverickshow.com slash packing. 
to see a free recorded webinar and learn exactly how Matt does it. He shows you the luggage he uses, the specific items he packs, and the travel brands he likes most. Even if you're just looking to go on shorter trips, but pack more efficiently and eliminate your checked luggage, you won't want to miss this. You can watch the free recorded webinar at themaverickshow.com forward slash packing.